0: Welcome to the Vanessa G Fitcast. If you think eating less is the answer to getting lean, or that you have to choose between having donuts and wine, or having a body you love, well then girl, you are in the right place. Chances are you've fallen victim to diet culture's terrible advice on how to eat and exercise. But don't worry, this podcast is going to bring you actionable information so you can start transforming your body without giving up your life. I'm Vanessa Gillette founder and head coach of Vanessa G Fitness and Nutrition. This podcast was born from my passion for helping all women create bodies they feel confident in. Thank you for tuning in and trusting me to support and guide you. Now let's do this. welcome back to the vanessa g fitcast i'm vanessa gillette and here with me today i'm super excited because we have a very special guest we have kelly donahue on the podcast so kelly a little bit of background on her she grew up in atlanta georgia she competed in the miss america organization growing up she started that at 15 years old and then after graduating from the university of georgia Kelly moved to New Jersey to pursue law school at Rutgers University. She graduated with her JD in May of 2021. And while studying for the bar exam, she reached out to me and joined Team VGFN to finally get a hold of her nutrition and learn to just feel comfortable in her skin. So she's now been with VGFN for a year and a half now in our Forever Fit program, and she has Absolutely, just completely transformed her body and her relationship with food while also working long hours at her law firm. So, she has really an incredible story here that I cannot wait to share with you guys. But, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And, like I said, I think you have really just such an incredible story. And you are one of those people who I think can be such an inspiration for so many of our other clients and just so many other women out there as well. So, I really want you to be able to just take this opportunity to share a little bit about yourself, about the the highs, the lows, and just what this journey has been like for you. So let's um let's take it back to the beginning. Like before yeah. you actually came to VGFN, what kind mm-hmm. of challenges were you finding yourself facing at that time? So I guess while I was studying
1: for the bar exam, I was extremely stressed, as you can imagine. And oh, yeah. I was realizing that I was either eating everything or not eating at all. Um, And I had kind of gotten to a place in my life where I felt like I have actually no idea how to feed myself. Um, I had kind of grown up in like a pasta and takeout kind of house, which was great. And I, but I never learned like the basics of nutrition. Um, And Growing up doing pageants, I had been taught like a very single lane focused way to dial in my nutrition and I knew how to get in shape quickly, right? We competed in swimsuit. When I was competing as a teen, we competed in what they call the fitness wear. Um, So little spandex shorts and whatever tank top they had picked out for that year. Um, And so I had learned how to eat chicken and broccoli and drop weight quickly and exercise to burn out. Um, and then when I stopped doing pageant, it was like hitting a brick wall. I was totally fatigued on that lifestyle of um, cutting out all this weight before a pageant and then eating whatever the heck I wanted afterwards. Uh, and that was kind of the tipping point when I was studying for the bar was like, all right, I'm several years out at this point, And I have been working for years to achieve this goal of landing the job that I was going into once I passed the bar. And... I need to get myself in check so that I can be the best version of myself now that I've finally reached this goal that I've been working at for so long. So I had seen your Instagram posts. We had gone to college together. So I kind of watched you from the ground up, launched VGFN, seen a bunch of client transformations, seen people really talk about food freedom and their education bank around nutrition. And that sounded like something that I needed and wanted. So I reached out. We had our client
0: call and I've been with you guys ever since. I love it. Yeah. I remember the very first time that we hopped on that call together. And I remember you talking about that, like you had gone through this experience of always seeing dieting as something that you do just to quickly get ready for a competition. And you just had this very like fixed mindset around how to drop weight for that specific goal, but it was never something sustainable. And you had time after time, having gone through this process, seeing how it was affecting your body. You were mm-hmm. like, you were saying fatigued, low energy, you were needing to take naps, I think you had talked about of even experience. was a nap experience <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I, I think I remember even saying that it wasn't that sleep was even a problem for you. Yet on top of having normal sleep, you just were tired all the time. You were needing that's to perfect. take naps. You were bloated. Like you just knew that something was off in your body and you knew that you wanted to really go about it the right way. But especially on top of it, that was like a big transition time in your life. You were starting yeah. to, you know, study for the bar and like all of the, the stress hormones from law school were just weighing on you. So you knew that you needed to do an approach that wasn't going to add stress to your body, like what you were doing previously of just pushing yourself into the ground, restricting low calories, working out a lot. So I guess maybe compare and contrast for me a little bit of like, what was the experience that you were using in the past to get ready for the swimsuit competitions versus what you've more so done through this approach with VGFN. Like what are where are the differences and are there any similarities
1: for sure? Well, I think the one thing that I learned from competing in pageants and that diet regimen compared to learning how to fuel my body with VGFN is I knew I could be disciplined at it. Um, And I think that was one of the potential negatives of having competed in pageants for so long is I knew I was very good at dropping weight quickly. I knew I could do it. Um, So It didn't matter what I ate after I was done competing, um, because I knew I could just burn it all off again in two months before I needed to be back on stage. Um, So while I was competing, I worked with a plethora of personal trainers um, for exercise. And then when it came to diet tips, it was really just whatever they could recommend. Um, So I had everything from the mental mindset of, all right, well, if you want to lose weight, just eat as little as possible. So I was really good at that. And, you know, if you go long enough, eating as little as possible, your body stops telling you you're hungry. And that feels like a success when you're trying to eat less, right? Um, Not realizing all the long-term consequences that comes from because I needed it for such a short amount of time. Um, So there were some points when I was on what I would call a carb cleanse, where I would eat white meat and fruit. I could eat as much of it as I wanted, but I could only eat white meat and fruit. And so I would cleanse for seven days, and then I had a very strict vegetable white meat protein six times a day schedule. Um, And competing with other women, it is... There's a camaraderie in the environment, which is nice because you don't necessarily expect that from pageants, but you're around a lot of people all in a very similar mindset. And very few of us, from my experience, take the proper route of getting ourselves in long-term shape. We get ourselves in quick-term shape. So you pick up little tips from everyone else that you're competing with. We would take dandelion root pills to completely dehydrate ourselves before the pageants. Um, It would be, we would have these luxury meals while we'd be competing at Miss Georgia for the week because we'd go visit sponsor restaurants and no one would eat anything. I would always bring a to-go container with me so that I could package it up so that as soon as I was off stage, I could stuff my face because I was starving. I hadn't eaten all day. I intentionally didn't drink any water so I could be as lean as possible and I would crash. So, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the best environment to learn how to properly <laughs> feel my body. But um, there, there were some good things that came out of doing pageants for sure. And I think one of them is at least having the awareness to realize that physical health is part of a well-rounded experience and as well-intentioned as Miss America was, as including that as part of the competition, um, the the impact of it on girls like as young as 15. And in the pageant world, I started kind of late um, I mean, that really sticks with you, Mm,
0: man. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I've never heard that side of your story of the fact that you were going to these restaurants and yet not even eating the food. And I think about now, you know, you're, you're living in New York city, one of the cities with probably (laughs) one of the greatest food scenes in the world. And knowing you and watching your journey, I know part of that has been learning how to eat out, how to enjoy that food scene, how to have a social life while also keeping your health and your goals in mind. Can you maybe speak to that a little bit? Because I know that's something that a lot of people worry about or they think, well, I have these goals or I just want to improve my health. I want to lose weight. I want to look a certain way. But I also want to go out to eat. I want to have a social life. Or maybe I have a weekend trip to New York City. So, like, oh, can't get started now. Like, how does somebody like you who lives in New York City still achieve their goals? Well,
1: if it's helpful for anyone listening, I had dollar slice pizza for dinner last night and it 100% fit within <laughs> my nutritional goals that Alex has me on. So um, I think one of the best pieces of advice that Alex gave me when I first started was we were just tracking my food for awareness. I'd heard for years, right, about people tracking their food on MyFitnessPal and I've seen tracking food turn into this really negative tool that people like me use to track as little calories as possible. I don't know where we got this notion that 1200 calories is the way to go, but I was rigid by that 1200 calories if I could be. And most often, more often than not, I was on the underside. Um, So when Alex and I started together, it was just eat how you normally do and track what you eat. And I was shocked to learn that i was eating like maybe a thousand calories a day and i was at my heaviest and i was like i mean no wonder i don't have any any energy so part of what alex and i started working on was a increasing my calories but then b treating my day like a puzzle so if i know in the evening that i have social plans with my friends which i do on a regular basis I like to pick the restaurant or everyone sends around the reservation. I can go online and figure out what I'm probably going to eat. Everyone stocks a menu before they go to a restaurant. So now I can take an activity that I was already doing and just plug it into my fitness pal. Um, the other thing that was really helpful is one of your earlier podcast episodes. You had talked about taking a picture of your food. If you don't know what you're going to eat ahead of time and then track it after the fact, because otherwise you're totally guessing on, right. On like, how much did I eat? Um, you just kind of build your day around what's important to you. And I think that's similar to any other type of priority, right? Like if it's important to you, you make the time and space for it. So learning how to eat out, which is important to my social life and an important part of my life, then I need to be able to work around that. And I build in the rest of my day to make sure that my goals are always first and foremost. And then how do I fit in my day to make sure that those goals are achieved? love
0: those tips. And I'm with you. I don't know where the 1200 calorie rule came from, but (laughs) I think my very first exposure to my fitness pal was exactly the same thing. I saw 1200 as the cap of like, okay, if I'm tracking my food, as long as I stay under 1200, I'm good. And the lower that number is, that's great. Right. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people stay stuck. And it's, I, I love that you did bring up that point that you realized by just through that practice of working with Alex, your one-on-one coach to bring awareness to what it is that you're eating. You found that, oh my gosh, here I am only eating 800 calories, a thousand calories, and I'm the heaviest I've ever been. Like, mm-hmm. obviously something needs to be changed here. So I'm really, really impressed by, you know, just from the beginning, I was always really impressed by your level of awareness, but also your ability to take that step of recognizing Hey, something, something's off here. I need to get some like an extra outside opinion because what I'm doing clearly isn't working. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I think makes you really, really unique and just like an awesome example for everybody is the fact that you work in a law firm. You work really long, busy work days. And a lot of the mm-hmm. women I talk to say things like, Oh, I just I don't think I can achieve my goals, or I'm just not It's not a right time for me to start because I'm busy, because work is too much of a priority for me. I really want to focus on my my career. I can't really focus on my health goals and myself. I just don't have the time. It's not possible for me. I'm too busy. So what are your thoughts on that? Or like, what would you say to some of those women who maybe have very similar work schedules to you that think that they can't achieve their goals?
1: Well, so what was interesting is I had a very similar thought process before I reached out and that ended up coinciding with the timing of when I did reach out to you because I had about a month and a half between taking the bar and actually starting my job. And I knew that that would be a good time to start building habits that could carry me over once I started actually working in that job. And for anyone who knows what big law is, that's that's what I do. I work at a huge law firm, international law firm in New York. So I'm expected to be online all the time um, <laughs> there, there is no real sign off i'm I'm done when the work is done, so what i what I've learned how to do by working with Alex is not neglect my work or neglect myself. There's a way to marry the two priorities, and I'm not someone who can get up or wants to get up at five a m to make sure I get a workout in that is not something that I was interested in really even changing about myself. Priority one for me has always been sleep. Um, But learning how to hone in my nutrition. And then the next piece was learning how to reshape the way I thought about the gym. And the gym was no longer a place where I went because I had eaten a lot or I didn't feel very good. The gym became a place where I was finally alone and I could plug in my headphones, listen to an audiobook, and follow a routine that was explicitly laid out for me. It was like the part of my day that I didn't have to think too hard. And so it became this place of peace for me. And I think that mental shift from the gym is somewhere where I go to accomplish You know, X, Y, and Z physical goals. And instead, the physical goals became a byproduct of treating the gym as a place where I can take a break. Um, And Alex has also been really great in working with me to adjust the lengths of my workout. So if I have time to do a 30 minute lift at lunch, I'm going to do that instead of a weekend workout when I have more time and I can go spend like the full hour getting my lift in and really taking my time. So We've prioritized movement throughout the day rather than physical goals, and treating the mindset shift on what the gym is to me. And those two things, I think, were really the key to making sure that it was something I wanted to fit into my day.
0: I love that. What does your current workout routine look like? Let's let's give our listeners some perspective here. Speaking from the the girl who used to work out two times a day to get ready for bikini competitions, like, oh what does your working out <laughs> movement look like now? So right now I'm actually training for a marathon.
1: I, real, yeah, I realized, um, I've been at my job now for about a year and a half and that was a long-term goal. Like I was telling you about before and getting my health and nutrition tiled in was also a long-term goal. And now I have more energy than I ever thought I'd be able to. I don't even drink coffee anymore. Um, And so it had been a while since I had set a goal for myself that I could tangibly work towards and then achieve that wasn't work related. So I had seen a TikTok of a girl who walked a marathon in a work day. And so I texted Alex and I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. So I'm walking (laughs) a marathon on April 1st. So right now my goals are a little bit different than they were when I first started. We're really prioritizing steps and miles in my movement. And then I do strength training on the side to kind of keep my body alignment, um, working properly, keep my joints loose. Um, and I still crave a lift now because it's become such a part of my routine. Um, but so during the week, I've been doing two mid distance walks on the weekends. I do a long distance walk and Friday mornings and Sunday afternoons have been my lifting days. So I'm just able to fit them in where I can. um, and it's, I've figured out how it fits best in my schedule and that ebbs and flows. Right. It's like, if one week I know it's a little bit busier, I'm going to work out earlier in the week. Um, And we've also established workout windows when I was only weight training. And that was really helpful for me. Instead of being so rigid on, I'm gonna do a lift on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Well, what if Wednesday comes along and a 7.30 meeting gets dropped on my calendar? And that was when I was gonna go to the gym. Now what? I don't work in an environment where blocking off my time to work out is gonna work. If the partner is ready for a, a meeting at that time, you are on the meeting at that time. So I needed to figure out a way that I could adjust. And the way that we accomplished that was these workout windows. So can I get one lift in at some point between Monday to Wednesday? If I've done it, I've gotten the first half of my week done. Can I get in another lift between Thursday and Sunday? If so, I've done my job for the week. And I always have time on the weekends, so I'm able to schedule it in to make those two things work. And that broad range of days makes it a lot easier to get a goal accomplished because
0: now it's flexible instead of being so rigid that I'm stuck. Oh, man. And this is the stuff that really shows why you've been successful because so many women get too rigid in their expectations of themselves whether it's from the very beginning before they even ever sign up for working with the coach, they might say something like, I just don't have the time or the ability to focus on myself right now. And if I'm going to sign up for a program or work with a coach, I want to make sure I can give it my all. And that's a backwards way of thinking because you don't go into a program like, oh, my life is so easy. I have so much time and space and now I'm going to get this extra help. It's the best time to reach out and ask for help is when you feel like you're too busy, when you feel like you're struggling, when you just don't really know how to get there on your own. Because having a coach that second set of eyes to take that look at your schedule, to look at your circumstance and help you see that there is another way that we could fit in a 30 minute workout into your lunch break, that we can do workouts on different days of the week, that it doesn't have to be so rigid. And then another thing that I love that you've talked about here is that this goal of walking the marathon, it is coming not from a place of, I want to change my body, so I'm gonna go do a marathon. It's coming from a place of, I love what I've achieved with my body and I feel so good. What's next for me? Now, what Mm -hmm. can I work towards? I found a new goal that has me excited. Now I'm gonna work on that. And those are the things that keep women engaged to where they stay healthy, they stay fit for the long term. Because if we don't have a goal ever, then that's when we start to fall off of things. We start to fall off of the routines that make us feel good. We start to lower our expectations for ourselves of what we really want to achieve. And we might undo our progress over time. But you know, when we get to a place, it's not always about body composition. It's about, okay, what do I want to work on now? And it might be some kind of out of the box goal, like walking a marathon, which I don't hear a lot of women expressing they want to do. But finding something that excites you, whether it's a a strength goal or a you know, a competition type of a goal or something along those lines, having a goal in place, is just another milestone to keep you moving forward and keep you engaged and keep you excited. And man, I am so excited about that one. Thanks. I wanted
1: to touch on something that you had said just a little bit ago about the rigidity of diet and exercise plans that I've experienced in the past compared to now. And one thing that I was not expecting and was pleasantly surprised to have received from VGFN was grace. When I started, I knew I had a plan. I knew I was supposed to be eating X amount of calories. We eventually introduced eating certain grams of protein, and then we introduced tracking carbs and fat. And it's an ongoing thing that I'm constantly thinking about on how do I meet these goals? And I'm not perfect at accomplishing those goals every single day. I don't always hit my workout windows. And I remember the first few times I checked in, I was all over it because I'm excited. i am It's a new program. I think I'm going to crush it. And then life starts to settle back in. And I remember that first check-in where I didn't hit everything that I was supposed to be hitting and really kind of beating myself up in the check-in form. And I was met with, hey, you had a really great week. You still hit X, Y, and Z. You may not have hit A, B, and C like we had planned, but 80% progress is still better than 0% progress. And I still focused in for those four days instead of the seven. And so having someone who felt like they were on my side and was able to help shift my mindset from, having to be rigid and perfect on hitting my workout windows, hitting my macros. Now I'm met with celebration when I am close or when I hit more than I did the week before or when I hit a new PR in the gym. Just little celebrations that tie into what, you guys ask us about on the check-in form, which is, how do you be 1% better? Sweeping changes aren't sustainable, but how do we slowly introduce incremental steps that make you better along the way? And I have someone on my side who's, A, being tough on me when I need them to be tough on me, but also,
0: B, supporting me when I didn't quite hit it that week. Man, you're just dropping some serious knowledge bombs on this podcast. <laughs> this is going to be a hit for our listeners. <laughs> But, you know, Kelly, we've alluded a few times to the incredible transformation that you've had with us, and one thing I'm really, really excited to talk about here is the fact that you have had an amazing body composition change, meaning your photos from day one to now look so different your mm-hmm. your your abs are showing and popping out from every angle your back has some incredible muscle tone you have an amazing shape like your arms are toned your butt is lifted like you're looking just lean all around and you just look healthy <laughs> heck yeah girl be proud of it but the crazy thing is i wanted to start with those angles of it because here's the kicker your weight on the scale has hardly changed from day one and it mm-hmm. has changed over the course of time. You know, if we look at your weigh-ins over the course of time, it has gone a little bit up, a little bit down. You know, I think we, I was looking at it earlier and it looks like, you know, you've had a high of like 142 on the scale, a low of 133, mm-hmm. but like day one, you kind of weighed in around like 138 and currently you're weighing in around 138 and yeah. you the look of your body is entirely different. So. Yeah. I imagine that throughout this process, there probably was a time where you had to mentally detach from the number on the scale. What has that like experience been like for you? Or can you just speak to that a little bit? Yeah.
1: So I always had a really negative relationship with the scale and that came from being in pageants. Um, We wanted to be under 110. If you could, didn't matter how tall you were, by the way, that was the desired goal weight for everybody. Um, So when I stopped competing, I got rid of my scale. And I was like, this is not helpful to me because I was too attached to it in that being the sole determining factor on how I felt and looked. So I got rid of it. Um, And when you're onboarded with VGFN, there's several things that they recommend you get. One of them is a body weight scale, and then there's a food scale. So I expressed to Alex when we first connected that I was a little bit nervous about having a scale back in the house um, because I knew how I had interacted with it before. And she really helped reframe it for me that at this point, we're collecting so much data on my body. We've taken measurements. We've done a mobility test. I'm tracking all of the food. I'm tracking my water. I'm tracking my water intake and I'm tracking my weight. So it is one data point in this massive collection of other data points on myself. And I have an Apple watch because I love data collection on myself. So that was a very unintentionally perfectly targeted way to reshift the thinking around the scale. And so now it's just part of my morning routine. It is on my walk to the bathroom when I wake up to stand on the scale and I plug it into the app that we use and just go about the rest of my day. And the interesting thing was, I remember being a couple months in, we had been slowly increasing my calorie intake, and I saw the scale increasing with it. And I had a point of frustration where I was like, this doesn't make sense. I... It's calories in versus calories out, right? I've been with Alex for weeks now. I kind of saw a dip in my weight when we first started. I saw my body lean up a little bit, and now I feel like I'm just packing it on. Um, This doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why this – why would I be eating more if I'm gaining weight while I'm doing it? And I don't know what worked, but I ended up just putting my head down and sticking with the process. And there was, like, this turning point – maybe around last February where we had increased my calories over 2000 calories, which is a a recovering 1200 calorie eater was insane. I was like, there's no way I need to be eating this much, but we hit what we found out was my maintenance calories and my body like melted away. And we're talking the change of like four or five pounds, right? We're not talking like I had a bunch of weight to lose. Um, But The physical changes in the way I looked aesthetically and the physical accomplishments that I was then able to make in the gym and energy wise, I'll forever be grateful for the energy transformation that and I tell Alex this in my check ins all the time that has to be like the singular thing that I'm the most grateful for with working with you guys is the shift in energy, the way I'm able to get through my day and the way I'm able to treat food like fuel and get myself through all the other goals that I'm now able to set.
0: And you, the fact that you stuck with it through that tough time of seeing the scale going up and questioning like, what is this process? Like, is this, this clearly this isn't working for me. My The weight on the scale is going up. I'm not like seeing these drastic changes in how I look, like I, I should probably back out now. But yet something within you said, you know what? I'm gonna trust this process. I'm gonna keep focusing on the process And I'm going to wait and see what happens. And because of that, because of that trust and because you allowed yourself to relax into it, where a lot of women even find start to stress out about it more. And through that process of now stressing over their body changing and stressing over, is the process working for me? They can delay that change that you saw in your physical body because now they're raising their stress hormones and now they're stressing over things and they can end up in a worse cycle, but you relaxed into it. And that's when, We saw that change where like you were saying it was just like suddenly the body fat melted off and suddenly Mm -hmm. you know from the strength training that you had been doing you were building that lean muscle and that was showing and that's where the shape of your body completely changed so while you're saying like okay four or five pounds different on the scale it's not about the weight on the scale because the that's why i'm saying the body composition changed you dropped body fat you added lean muscle you dropped inflammation from all that stress from law school, from feeling fatigued all the time, those biofeedback markers of how you feel are going to affect how you look. So if you focus on improving how you feel, how you look is going to improve over time as well. And I think you've done an incredible job of that. I mean, for our listeners, if you're like wondering what this transformation is like, well, if you're watching on YouTube, we'll we'll put the transformation in here for you to see. <laughs> And, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, just scroll back on my Instagram. I shared her transformation in a reel recently, so you can check it out. But really, really incredible. Um, One thing I am curious about, Kelly, so I know that you and your relationship with Nolan, your boyfriend. So I imagine that through this last year and a half of you going through these different experiences, going through the ups and downs for you evolving in your relationship with food and your relationship with your body. I imagine it's affected him a little bit as well. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: For sure. So Nolan was like you, a college athlete. Um, And so he had a similar experience to I had when I quit doing pageants of like, Oh, thank God I can do whatever I want for the first time, you know? So it's been really fun to, go on this knowledge process for myself and watch him take interest in it. Cause it's not my place to push what I, the journey I'm on onto somebody else. Um, but by natural curiosity, he started to pick up little tricks and now we'll go to the gym together. Sometimes we work out separately, um, but we'll go to the gym together sometimes to get each other there. He's, put himself on the hook to do part of this marathon with me because he wants to be part of that goal. He is very dialed in on what we're eating because he's mindful of my goals while we're doing it. And the byproduct is we both feel and look so much better than we first were when we started dating each other. And neither of us were necessarily in a bad place, but watching each other take care of ourselves in our own way and being able to share the tips and tricks that we've learned has been great. And recently we were having a conversation where he wanted, I think he wanted to make a sandwich for dinner and he was like, but I shouldn't eat the bread. That's bad. And I remember having a visceral reaction being like, there's just, it's food is not good or bad. You know, that I, I have a really hard time with thinking about it like that. And I've tried to have conversations with him and they're landing. It seems like of the food is not good or bad food is fuel. How do you want to use it? And if you, want it that badly and you don't let yourself have the bread in the sandwich, you're going to eat it later. You know, build that into your day. You need carbs to fuel fuel your day. It's like one of the key macros, right? Is how many carbs are you eating? So we've had that conversation a lot. And I think I'm watching him also reframe um, the categorization of food as either good or bad.
0: And that's so cool. Just you working on yourself of like the side effect of that, of how it's affected the other people positively around you too, which is really incredible. Sometimes I think when people go about their health changes in the wrong way, it can have almost the opposite effect. We're going to have a negative effect on their relationships with others. It can distance them from people. And it sounds like you've done something really amazing there within your relationship. Yeah. Um, speaking of relationships, one thing I wanted to ask you about Kelly. So, yeah. you know, what was that now? Like six months or so we had our first, uh, Forever Fit Retreat down here in Florida. Yeah. And prior to that retreat, I know I remember you telling me at the retreat itself, which you ended up coming to, that beforehand, you you were not planning on coming. You hadn't really Absolutely been not. super <laughs> involved in the community at that point. You had been a star student in our one-on-one coaching, but you really, at that point, were like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of this thing. Like, this was our first retreat, and I know Alex was really pushing you to come, and you were like, yeah, yeah I... I <laughs> I think you had told me, like, I was so prepared to just give all the work excuses for why I couldn't come. But something changed within you, and you decided to end up coming. So, I mean, what made you decide to come, and what was your experience like at the retreat? So,
1: I think it was very similar to the idea that kind of led me to want to do this marathon, is it had been a while since I had really pushed myself outside of my comfort zone. Um, And this was a silver platter opportunity to do just that. Um, and so I kind of just ended up getting out of my own way and made those social plans when I was feeling social one day and I booked my plane ticket. Um, and to make myself feel a little bit more comfortable about it, I booked other travel for after the retreat weekend so that everything lined up together.
0: Um, and so if the retreat was terrible, th- it was okay because you had another At least I went. had something else yeah. to do
1: after. Totally get um, it. But so I remember being in the Uber um, from the airport over to the house that we were all staying in still just like sweating bullets about going into this group of people where I assumed everyone knew everybody else and I was going to be the person who didn't know anybody. Um, And that's a stressful situation to put yourself into. And I have social anxiety. I was talking with my therapist about it and she's like, you're going to continue to shrink your world if you only see the same people over and over again. And something I had talked about while we were at the retreat that I pulled from my therapist was to change your circumstances, you have to change your environment sometimes. So I had been working really well and strongly with Alex But I wasn't, like you said, plugged into the community aspect of it. And so going down and meeting other people who were on similar journeys to me and being more focused on the mindset of how we all talk to ourselves, what our long-term goals are, instead of like... Hey, we're all at this fitness retreat and we're going to bench press a bunch of weight together. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like a bunch of women all being together, supporting each other and learning from each other. And it ended up far surpassing my expectations for what I thought the retreat was going to be like. Um, And I, by the end of it, I was really glad that I, you know, got out of my own way and did something that was beneficial for myself. Amazing.
0: Well, I hope we'll see you at the next one as well. And I hope um, many of our other podcast listeners, if you're part of our Forever Fit community, I hope that you all learn from Kelly and also want to come. But Kelly, before we wrap up here, I just want to ask if there's anything else that you want to share or if there are any women who are listening who maybe they resonate with your story a little bit more so like where you were before BGFN, maybe they're nervous about investing in themselves, or they're not sure that they're able to do it the way that you did it? Just what would you say or just anything else you want to leave for our listeners?
1: Sure. So I originally came to VGFN with an open mind about learning about nutrition. That was the main thing that I wanted to get out of working with you. And instead, what I got was a complete mindset Shift in how I look at myself, how I look at food. And the byproduct of all of that is feeling the most comfortable in my skin. Um, Like we were talking about a little bit ago, around that three month mark when I felt like I was putting on weight, my scale was going up. I was like, when are we going to do this fat loss phase? I've heard so much about the reverse diet and then follow that up with a fat loss phase. And now I've been with VGFN for a year and a half and I still have not done a fat loss phase. And I think that's really cool. So I was talking with Alex the other day and we're setting goals for once this marathon is over. And my next goal is to do a fat loss phase. And I was kind of reflecting on that. And I think it's really cool that I've come this far not being in a fat loss phase and just learning how to properly treat my body. And so now I'm looking at this fat loss phase as a tool in my belt that I can continue to apply when I feel like I need it, rather than the goal of getting into a fat loss phase by signing up with you guys. Um, It's just something else that I get to learn along this process instead of the end goal. I don't need this fat loss phase to be comfortable in my own skin. I get to learn how to do this for myself. And I think that's a really cool shift that I definitely
0: did not expect to come. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I think that you have inspired so many women through just your message on this podcast. And I know that you are going to help a lot of women out there. So thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing your story. You're
1: welcome.
0: Um, if there's anybody out there who does want to maybe just connect with you, maybe they resonate with you and they want to hear more about your story. Do you want to share just where they could connect with you? Sure, I'm on Instagram at kellyfilleddonut. You can find (laughs) me there. (laughs) Awesome, we'll uh, put that in the show notes as well. But again, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us today. And thank you to all of our listeners. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. If you learned something today, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review in iTunes. And if this particular episode resonated with you, Do me a favor and take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag me at Vanessa G Fitness so I can show you some love. All right, my carb queens, talk to you in the next episode.